0: black black boy.
1: What is up, everybody? My name is James D. Fury, and this is Blackballed. I don't want to give him too much. Every time a comedian is back there, I know what they're doing. They're, like, analyzing each fucking syllable and see what they can create a zinger with. It'll probably be that I use the word zinger. <laughs> um, he, is, he started his stand-up career uh, when he was 17 years old, and the only other comedian that... I personally recall, and I don't know everything about comedians, who had a bio that was similar to that was Dave Chappelle, um, who apparently was around the same age when they started. I couldn't even imagine, as a person who's been on a stage doing things like slam poetry and and rapping and shit like that, like to try to be funny. Like you can fake coolness, you can't you can't really fake funny. Um, I love talking to comedians because they're the realest uh, people I think in the world. And without further ado, here is Simon. Rockoff, Simon, how are you, buddy? I'm very well. How are you? I'm doing well, sir. Um, I want to first talk about ADHD because I was told by my doctor that I was a poster child for ADHD. Like, like I was. They're like they diagnosed me when I was 34, and they were like, "No one's ever even su- suggested this," and I'm like, "No, no, none at all." And it was like uh, I was I was like the rain man of ADHD people. Um and still am in a lot of ways i really liked listening to you talk about it um i'm gonna if you don't mind i just want to open the show with the clips so that we can like move move past it because i'm sure it's not something you really want to like chat about for half an hour but like um because we had it in common i just want i'm gonna play this clip and come back and then let you have the floor just because um i hope it's not a bit that i miss misread and the joke's on me but because um uh, <laughs> it was it was a really good message well here we go I'm Simon Rakoff, a
0: comedian with ADHD, and I guess my aha moment was when I was watching a movie while I played a video game, answered emails, and worked on my material at the same time. I liken it to being a high-powered sports car with no steering, so the engine is just vroom vroom, but you're mostly just going
1: round and round in the parking lot. Uh, did it take you a while to come to grips with the fact that it even existed like it did for me?
0: Well, it didn't exist when I was growing up. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a new thing, attention deficit hyperactive disorder. I, I, I don't think that existed. I mean, I'm 61, almost 62 years old. So none of that was a thing when I was a kid. It was just, he's in the moon. He can't pay attention. He won't sit still. You know, there's yeah, there was yeah. no you know diagnosis it was just uh trouble in class
1: yeah like Uh, he's a little shit well
0: yeah i mean (laughs) like because
1: i was i was i i had to go to the bathroom every single class it didn't matter what class it was i just always had to go to the i had the worst bladder in the history of like grade school kids um i couldn't sit still in my desk i wrote all over my desk all the time i like was late for recess i was late for school i was like suspended it was just it's also
0: the fact that it often helps for people like us to be doing something else to help us pay attention to things. And people think that's a sign that you're not paying attention when in fact, it's the coping mechanism for when somebody's talking to you, if you're actually looking at them, then your brain is elsewhere. If you're looking at something else, your brain can be on what you're hearing.
1: That's so funny that you say that. Cause one of the knocks that I get is that I don't look into the camera on my podcast. I've been told it countless times. And it's true, I don't. I sit there and I look around and I find, try to find the words and do that. But I feel like, I don't know, like inauthentic. Well, I staring at this at little camera. You know well,
0: the camera's above the screen, but then I can't look at you, so. Well,
1: why wouldn't you want to look at me, right? Like, why I wouldn't I, want, I didn't want to look at you? <laughs> no, I, what I'm saying is, why wouldn't I want to look at you? Like the person That's that I'm. Ta- I know that just sounded like a bald love moment, but what I meant was like when you're talking to someone, you want to look at them. You don't want to look at some. I dig. Yeah,
0: all I can see now is the shine off my glasses. I should probably take them off uh, while I oh, do this. There you go. I can you see sh- much less well, but I can still see. I, I, I think know you. I about. think
1: you look fine in your glasses, Simon. I, I th- look th- fine. Th- it's, no, it's more. I hope the gleam off them. The reflection. Oh, it's not that bad. It remind. Anytime I see reflection in glasses, it reminds me of um of Kevin Costner's glasses in JFK. Oh, I I don't know what they were made of, but like they were always white with the sheen of of light and um you know then in they they said it was uh part of the creative in post but it wasn't um Or in City
0: with uh what's his name Elijah Wood remember
1: That's right um anyway. I saw Shad's reflection in Cool DJ Cool Herc's shades in the documentary Hip Hop Evolution Dude, we could start like a whole game show about um about trivia that <laughs> No, we couldn't. Never mind. (laughs) Um, We wouldn't be first. No, no, I don't think we would be. Listen, what is? I I read something or I heard you say on an interview from two years ago that, um, and I couldn't tell if you were kidding or not, but I suspect you were not, that you're no longer ambitious and that you don't really want for anything and you're perfectly content. Is that basically what you said?
0: Uh, I think that's sort of true, but I don't think that's really – a new thing in my life i've never been particularly ambitious i mean the fact is i love doing what i do you know i know there are people who go into stand up in the hopes of being in show business as it were you know it's a stepping stone but i've always loved it i mean i've been i've been a fan of it since i was a child and been loving doing it as i say as you said since i was 17 years old it's it's over 44 years i've been at this and uh, you know, I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it.
1: Um, and 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 you joke about what you know most of the time. So, like, were you joking about detentions? And were you like like, uh, yeah, or did you were you precocious? I, I did. Like, did you try to seem a bit older ever? Or
0: I mean, I was always older than my age mentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not emotionally, <laughs> but but you know, intellectually. Uh, you know, yeah. I was a smart kid at seventeen, but still. I could only talk about what I could talk about. You know, I mean, I did a bit about how, um, you know, the parents would make you clean your room before guests came over. You know, and I always, what a bad party that must be. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Wow, it's so tidy. Hi, welcome
0: to the house. Skip the preliminaries. Where's your kid's room?
1: (laughs) (laughs) But then you must have had a good instinct um, for, I'm always fascinated with comedians because I, I find them to be like this ecosystem of knuckleball pitchers and hockey goalies. You know what I mean? Like, like hockey goalies are the, are the hockey players that are like touched or different and knuckleball pitchers, the exact same kind of like, um, MO and comedians, as far as the stage goes, you know what I mean? Like, or TV or whatever, you guys are all so like the same, but so completely unique. And I, and I just love it because you're also the, these like bastions of free speech of like, you know, of context deciphering and all that kind of stuff where we have to actually use our minds. Well, uh, when we want to listen to what you have to say, it's not, you know, the good jokes are the ones you got to work for a little bit. And um, I don't know if you're on a side in that whole culture war and comedian thing where people, Oh, I totally it. am. Okay. So what side are you on?
0: I think they're idiots. All of them.
1: Which side <laughs> Oh, like both sides are idiots. Of course. It's well, ridiculous. That's easy.
0: I, I, I go on the forums where they're fighting with each other and I say it's outrageous. First of all, no comedian should care what another comedian thinks. Because yeah. we're the only people in the world who will never buy a ticket to see you. That's and right. there's probably some sort of axe to grind, you know? You're
1: like an electronic music promoter. You just I'm never saying, pay to get into the club. You're, behind.
0: Right. You're, you're lower than us in the food chain, so who cares what you think? Or you're higher than us in the food chain, so why would you care what we think or do? Yeah. But I also liken it to mute If you look at music, right? You go to the Grammy Awards. It's not like there's fights between the rap guys and the country singers. <laughs> Or the polka artists and the classical musicians. Everybody has some respect for the fact that whatever they do is for somebody. That's some right. You That's know, right. I, I often say that to people. I say, why are you fighting amongst yourselves about there's no particular style of any kind of art that is illegitimate? It doesn't work like that.
1: I agree. And we're, and we're so hypocritical about it too. Like I used to say that about hip hop lyrics, about like people that like Tipper Gore, Al Gore's wife and shit, like used to complain about hip hop lyrics. And I was like, and I always, even at that time, I was like, I don't think like Oliver Stone is like asking Tipper Gore's permission to, to do a movie that shows something gratuitous or swears or whatever. Like why is certain thing why are certain things singled out? Music, like you said, and comedy seem to be singled out. Um, And not only that, but each side has a monster and I don't care if they're not equal or whatever, that doesn't matter. The right has a monster. It's, you know, the monster of the right is like racist and sexist and religious probably. And the monster on the left is like, I know everything. I know what's best for people who don't agree with me. And oh yeah, I don't see the irony in attacking two black comedians because I'm the monster on the left um, for things that are like, you know, that you shouldn't be attacking people for that's the way I look at it. I mean, well, I, I thought, yeah, go ahead. Uh,
0: see, I, if I'm if I'm looking at it as an audience member, my attitude is always the same. As I look at it like parents going, "Your music is just noise," or Catskills yeah. comics going, "Why do the kids work so blue?" Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it may not be for me, but just because it's not me for me doesn't mean it's not for anybody. And I have it's no not problem with people saying I don't like that. My issue yeah. is always with nobody should listen to that. Well,
1: But it's course, never the it's joke on paper. But
0: anybody else should enjoy.
1: But it's never the joke on paper. It's the way the person delivers it. And it's so important. That's why Ricky Gervais gets away with things that other people don't get away with. And same with, I would say, Dave Chappelle. Like, as, as far as, like, you know, big guy Bill Burr to a certain extent. Um, because they're on record saying, your opinion is bullshit, and I'm just going to say what I want because my context is not what you think it is. And it kind of makes them bulletproof in my opinion. I mean, I I haven't seen anything bad. I think
0: comics should be bulletproof. Yeah. We're not running for office. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, we take Norm Macdonald. Okay. Mm. The late great Norm Macdonald had a joke that I think is about comedy and it's about cliff diving. He says, there's only two categories of cliff dive, grand champion and stuff on a rock. (laughs) Okay. But that's true of comedy, right? I mean, You're taking a chance with everything that comes out of your mouth all the time. It's the only pass-fail art form. So Mm -hmm. for people to judge that aren't actually in the audience at that moment watching the show, it doesn't matter what they think. You're not working for anybody but the people who are actually attending the show.
1: Yeah. I would even take it one step further. And I think comedians are so important that not only do they embody exactly what you just said, But they're not the privileged folk that can do that. They are the ones that are the examples to us telling us we can also utilize free speech. We may not deliver funnies like you do, but we should be able to have thoughts that leak out of our pie holes and not have to, like, you know, pay the ultimate price if someone doesn't get it. You know what I mean? Like, no matter what. Well,
0: yes and no, because the point of comedy is it's there's no money, there's no glory, there's no respect, but you get a license is the point that you can say what you want. You know, the jester was the only one who could make fun of the king and not be beheaded because yeah. that was his job. Um, I can understand that if somebody goes on Twitter and makes some awful joke and they're in some public sector or even private sector job where a company has a reputation they're trying to maintain, you know, you are taking a chance of losing that. In the well, same way, a comedian, if they do badly... Can lose everything they have built up in their career, but that's uh, yeah point. that's that's fair like the audience that wants to see you
1: I kind of want to dig into that a little bit, and the re- maybe the reason why, and i'm I may be connecting dots dots where there aren't any, but um I really enjoy Patton Oswald, and I saw a picture on you of your Instagram with you and him, and um
0: I don't even remember
1: oh, you don't oh well, fuck, there goes my whole fucking point <laughs> that's okay, talk to me. <laughs> I was gonna say that um I am wondering like specifically. Like, does it uh, like, I'm not saying you have to film under the bus so you don't like them or whatever, but if you were Dave Chappelle, would you have not made certain trans jokes? And if you're Ricky Gervais, would you not made certain jokes? Like, is there something you just have an honest disagreement with about like any comedians that say jokes that may appear offensive to you?
0: Well, there's a million comedians that do jokes I find horrible.
1: Not horrible, not horrible, but like, you know, ethical, like, you know, whatever. No, no, I know what you're
0: saying. I meant that in that sense. No, I'm not talking about bad jokes. Most comedians have bad jokes.
1: I thought it was a joke, a bad joke. No,
0: I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. I'm saying, if you're talking about, for instance, okay, mm. Jeff Dunham, is that ventriloquist, right? Right. He does uh, the dead terrorist guy. It's the most racist shit you've ever seen, in my opinion. It's a totally racist bit, but his, you know, pone audience howls and screams at this racist stuff.
1: It's the delivery.
0: It's not the delivery, it's that they're idiots and he's an idiot and they they work for each other and they're entitled to each other. I don't have a problem with, you know, it's like saying, saying, I only listen to classical music and everything else is crap. Or, I only eat French restaurant food and if you go to Burger King, you're an idiot. You're entitled. I don't judge what other people want to enjoy. And I, I don't think anybody should be stopped from saying what they like. And, and listening to what they like,
1: I that think we also,
0: obligate me to listen to it.
1: I, I think <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, it's like you said uh, at the beginning. It's just like music. I, I think there are some people who are just like they're wandering around in, in the in the digital wilderness, not really knowing what's on the like cannot say list. Sometimes, and and they don't find out until they say it. Like, I, I, I said a word to describe people who can't walk on the Dean Blundell show that I had no fucking idea was a word that you couldn't say since like 1986 or something. Like, I had no, I just didn't know. I don't use it in conversation. And I don't want to use it now because I guess I'm learning my lesson. Yeah, no, I get it. You know? And, um, but I'm not big enough to be like canceled, I don't think. And I'm wondering, you know, do we make much ado about nothing like all the fucking time now? Yeah,
0: but that's up to the people who think that it matters. So we're, but we're talking about
1: corporations that are afraid of optics. Of the when the audience rebels against something that someone they represent says it's optics, yeah, right? The optics. Audience,
0: money. The audience. If you're talking about the audience, that's actually at the show, watching mm. the show. They always laugh. That's one thing. That's yeah. their option. They paid money. They're out mm. for their good time. And it's the comedian's job to give them that good time but some faceless nameless person on the internet who may or may not even mean what they're saying, why anybody should listen to anything that that says is to me a mystery. Uh, Maybe I'm too old. Maybe I I just come from a time where, you know, you want to come up to me and discuss something you disagree (laughs) with. Let's talk it out.
1: You don't seem too old. And with all the Adderall coursing through your veins, you're going to be like 50 forever. It's going to be fine. Um, No, I'm just kidding. I actually think that the Will Smith, uh, Chris Rock slap was like the greatest thing to happen to pop culture in like a decade. I really...
0: It was was just bullshit anyway. I I know. Everybody, I I mean, that's been discussed, you know... I don't want to
1: discuss the slap. I want to discuss my theory that you seem to be (laughs) poo-pooing immediately. it, It was a pop culture moment, not because Will Smith should have slapped him or that we love Chris Rock. It was because the ripple effect... Of, that it had in these, like, areas that you would never expect. Like, like talking about um, men who are allegedly, you know, emotionally abused by their spouse, and then it happened parallel to the Amber Heard stuff. I just thought it was interesting. I, I thought it was, and a lot of really important conversations happen, and it's not like Will Smith deserves a cookie, but, you know, the, the circumstances are what they are. And um, I'm I, laughing
0: I, at, your, at your phrase, important conversation.
1: Yeah. Well, the important conversations would be like, um, people with the, and look, I, I, I think that important conversations, I'm not talking about Twitter and Facebook and fights, you know, I'm talking about like people were able to like, there, there was really well thought out things written about, um, about relationship dynamics between men and women and how men who are like dominated in relationships often, no one knows because they're too ashamed and and it was interesting. I, I found it was almost like the bizarre world version of saying when Me Too happened, that's a macro level, um, finally, uh, women might have the courage to speak out because of what all these horrible men did, you know, and all, what all these courageous women did and all that kind of stuff. And um, I need to find the silver lining because otherwise then we're all just enamored by, you know, Will Smith smacking the shit out of Chris Rock, like, you know. Okay, you,
0: see, you're, what you're talking about, I, I, I call it the porn argument. Okay. Oh, well, then
1: I'm already in agreement with whatever you're about okay. to say.
0: <laughs> which is, which is, you know, once there was an, sort of an accepted amount of knowledge that porn existed and that people watched porn, the good thing about it was that suddenly sex that was so taboo and people were so embarrassed and people were so ashamed, suddenly it's like, oh, I see. I'm not the only one who enjoys this or enjoys that. We're all or freaks. By this or that. yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So in that sense, yes, the, the fact that things are public and acknowledged and discussed is good, but that still doesn't mean that anybody's opinion, because that's all it comes down to, is more valid or less valid than anybody else's opinion. You know, you've got to look, at, you gotta look at, at, at sort of, in my opinion, it's the motivation of things, right? If there's malice or not, right? My buddies and I, my comedian friends and I get together. If you had it just written, you know, transcribed without any of the laughing or delivery, it's just hate speech.
1: Yeah. Back and oh, forth. I know. I know. I, I'm
0: saying, right? It would be yeah. shocking and dismaying. But we... the content is we're old friends who take the piss out of each other as part of our way we relate. And... We'll use everything about each other—race and culture yeah, and sexual right. orientation and whatever, you know—to it, make. It's fun how you of
1: know you other. have good friends. That's how you know you have good friends.
0: Well, you no, have to be able to tear a strip off each other. Knows. People like yeah. us. There are plenty of people who have none of that in their friendships. They have, you know.
1: Are you sure? Because I think like they're. Hip- I think there's just a lot of hypocrites. People finger wag in public but say the same shit in private.
0: I'm not saying you know? they finger wag. I'm. T- I'm thinking. Of, you know, my 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 lovely aunt. Who, oh. I promise you, never has sworn in her life and is always nice and respectful and thinks highly of everybody she bothers with. And if she doesn't, she wouldn't bother with them at all. It wouldn't, there wouldn't be a moment. I can't imagine my aunt going, you know, hey, your ball still itch. I, I just can't hear her saying anything close to that. Yeah. And that doesn't mean she's not a sincere person. It's a, it's a question of generations and politeness and upbringing. You know, not everybody yeah. deals in insults, but me and my friends do.
1: So that, that's counts. like seeing an advertisement for like a gym membership, and it's like, you know, nineteen ninety five, and uh, and you think it should be cheaper, but you already have a gym membership, so it doesn't matter. But you call and complain anyways. <laughs> you know, like yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's, well, uh,
0: uh, and again, I just think that that I mean, I tend to go for de-escalation of conflict. This is my general go-to position in most things you know unless something is completely outrageous there is very little chance that that any conflict is one-sided and the other side is wrong right it doesn't work like that and then there's always the people who like to escalate on both sides of any conflict and those are the real problem in every situation
1: um i feel this way and i thought it was because of adhd but i'm just wondering if you feel the same I've always felt like I've been able to sort of like um, ascertain people by, you know, like I I, I could read them fairly easily, not, you know, whatever. And um, I always thought that it was a, um, it was almost impossible for me not to react to the fact that I knew that the person's look on her on his face was like disrespectful, like like they were like their tone the way they and I was one of these people that couldn't not notice it and then always had to say something. It took me so long to figure out that if I just shut the fuck up, (laughs) the other person's alone in their negativity and I can just walk away. Like it literally took me until I was 40 to realize that that existed. Did you have a similar kind of like, you know, conflict resolution issue in your life at all when you were younger, even like,
0: well, the thing, not really, because I mean, I've always been, the I've always been small. I've always been the funny guy. So for me, Conflict was either I'm getting bullied, which I learned to handle very young with, you know, humor. And, you know, it's amazing how <laughs> I've always found it funny that, that devastating somebody with words is way more painful to them than if you fight back, you know, physically yeah. and lose. I mean, you know, if you can make somebody look like an asshole in front of everybody around you, It doesn't matter how tough they are. They're going to shrink and disappear.
1: Um, Yeah, I I can't remember who said it, but someone, um, Dean Blundell related to me and someone else said it, I think, but about how if someone sends you an email that's just filled with hateful things and you don't receive it, does it impact you? And obviously it doesn't. But then for some reason, these words exist in this digital format and then you click on it and then you read it. Why Why would those words impact you? You're impacting yourself. It's the way in mind.
0: I'm also, I've been a comedian since I've been a teenager. I've had rooms full of people hate me multiple, multiple times as all comedians have, you know, what is one person going to do to me? That's going to, but I can't
1: tell, I guess I'm trying to like, and maybe I shouldn't do this, but I'm just kind of curious. Are you like, if you had to pick a side, would it be like the free speech side or like, I'm pretty woke side? Like, or or are you like, fuck you? I'm a moderate. Sometimes I go that way. Like, are you one of those three?
0: Well, I'm more like, I think that anything anything can be discussed. Any there's no topic or word off off the table for me. Yeah. My my question is, are you actually trying to make people laugh, or are you just trying to be mean to shock in the hopes that some other mean asshole is going to laugh at those other people who are down there?
1: And but the some of them point, do it well, like Anthony act- Jeselnik. Anthony Jeselnik does that shit well. You know. Yeah, I'm sorry.
0: sorry. Are you actually trying to make people laugh, or are you just trying to get you know applause for saying? And I'm woke and a lesbian and a hunchback, and I think that you know everybody should be loved, which isn't a joke either. No, (laughs) no. To me, if you're a comedian, nobody gives a fuck what you think. Make it entertainment. If you think that your job is to educate people about something, you Mm. better have a way to make it palatable through jokes. Otherwise, you're just a fucking, you know, internet typist with a microphone thinking you've got an act. That's not an act.
1: (laughs) No, it is not. You know, what's funny you say the word love because I, I always hear that word among comedians more than anyone else, too. I really loved learning about how Bob Saget said that to his friends every time he got off the phone. Um, Mike Bullard and I are friends and we say that to each other when we get off the phone, I admit, because I'm not from a social circle or an upbringing where I would tell my male friends, love you. But now I do it and I get like, I skip a little, (laughs) like, I'm just like, I'm saying, I love you to someone like, it just makes you feel good. Um, Mm -hmm. comedians are so, it's so funny. You seem like a comedian that like, there's two kinds of comedians as far as I can tell if you had to polarize them the sad comedian that had a lot of fucking hard shit and the fucking happy comedian that just kind of found a way found a way to get by relatively unscathed you know like there seems to be like I, you know, like seinfeld i'd put in that latter category you know what i mean um and you know andy dick <laughs> in the form on that other side of the spectrum you know what yeah, I'm yeah
0: well to be frank i was very sad most of my life i've battled really depression, but i've battled and won i've <laughs> I've done, the, I've done the work and gotten the treatment and the therapy and the medical and everything to, you know, make myself okay with myself and the world. Okay. But when I was young, I was, I was very depressed most of the time. I'm sure a lot of the reason I got into comedy came out of that. Um,
1: well, that's it's good. Not I was, really, I'm, I'm, it's not really I'm where g- the
0: funny comes from, oddly enough.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Then now that that makes my whole point fall apart. But because I thought, <laughs> um, because I've always known about the dark comedians. That's kind of like you know, there's been countless movies and books made about like sort of like the 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 sad clown kind of thing. Um, but there are the technical. Some comedians have such a technical like regiment in how they develop material, and and then there's someone like Bullard who never writes down a word. And I, you know, and I know he's an MC and, and like, but he's got a style that like people like and, and he doesn't write. So that kind of range um, to me is, is what makes comedy kind of interesting. One of the things that makes comedy kind of interesting. Well, that to me, that... it's,
0: it's like singer songwriter. You write what you know, and it comes from who you are. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it depends what kind of person you are. I mean, for me, I, I'm, I'm, I love the crowd work like, like Mike does. And I, and I do it too, you know, the, the, the quipping back and forth. I mean, I've got a million of those that I remember fondly, you know, the joke yeah. where you're like, oh, I can't believe I came up with that in the moment. But I've also love a crafted joke and have a lot of, you know, a real act. And I'm not very narrative in my style either. I don't tell stories. I'm, I'm, I'm a joke writer in that right. sense.
1: Um, so, um, I, I also saw, maybe one of the reasons why you uh, might have been sad when you were young is because you listed, uh, and this could have been a bit too, but it was so funny, you listed Bill Cosby and Woody Allen as like two albums that you really loved to listen to when you were young, and whoever, you were, on, whoever you were on with was like, oh, great. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, 4Kids Flashback. we're losing the ability to do that, I think, a little bit, and I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are. Not like it would be hard for me to watch a Bill Cosby show episode right now. I don't know why. It just feels like it probably would, because um, he might be the most prolific rapist in American history. Like, so it doesn't right. feel right, you know. No,
0: look, I've I I watched the Cosby Show when it was on and loved. I loved it, it. you know. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't watch it now. But part of you know so.
1: Bill Cosby himself, I, I, I knew that album when I was nine. Like that was, you know. Right. I loved it.
0: Or um, to, brother my, to Russell, my brother who I slept with, that yeah. entire B-side about him and his brother in bed and being brats. Fantastic, right? Yeah. But it doesn't matter, you know. And in the end, I can still, I can still think fondly about that stuff. But once you find out what kind of a person a person is, it's like Woody Allen. Frankly, he hasn't made a very interesting movie to me in many, many years. You know, before I knew who he was, uh, I loved his work. I mean, he was among my favorites. Um, You know, the early comedy movies and his Mm stand-up really influenced me. I don't
1: think that the Woody Allen thing is actually all open and shut, as people think, personally.
0: Well, whatever. Point is, I'm still creeped out by him. Yeah. Whether or not he did the thing with the little girl, he still married the, the you know, the yeah. The um, they weren't daughter.
1: actually ever living together. But your greater point I'm is aware definitely of that. yeah. Your greater point no. is definitely sound. Even it would though, be a little if odd I was yeah. dating
0: somebody or married to somebody, and I suddenly found myself attracted to their daughter. I would run to save yeah. myself from that temptation. I would not. I always, succumb
1: to that. Yeah. I. Me. I would be in danger of dating a woman and then falling in love with her mother. <laughs> I like older yeah, women. Also <laughs> yeah, also yeah. creepy. Well, I'm a saying, little less creepy. It's creepy for the mom. Fucking taking her daughter's man like that. Like, it's not really my issue, is it? It's a little bit my issue. Um,
0: I was going to say. <laughs> I, but anyway, it's not important. Yeah. I, would never, I would never go to a Mel Gibson movie again. You know, oh, okay, I, I sort yeah. of come down on the side more of, I don't want to give them any money.
1: Yeah, and I like it you how know? you make it an individual choice, though, and not like everybody has to think like me. I hate it when people do that.
0: Well, that's my point. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's look, I have lots of friends who are friends with people I don't like and don't deal with. I'm not telling them you can't be friends with this guy. What is it? Grade three. (laughs) You know what I mean? And there are people who I'm friends with who've had fallings out with my friends and I'm not going to give them up just because these two don't get along. That's how the world should work.
1: I, mean, I actually love it when, because every once in a while, um, and this touches on something that you were saying a couple minutes ago about um, the the horrible shit that people say to each other in these private little chats of three, four, five friends or whatever. Because I I'm I'm still in those, and and it's really like it's 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 like that arena is like the aristocrats, and, and you can you can literally say whatever you want because you're among trusted people and they know that you don't mean it in a certain way. And then when they leak, when it's famous people doing it, like the the Johnny Depp stuff leaked, whatever. Right? I didn't blink an eye I because I, I think people know what stuff like that means really at the end of the day and I think they like um there's a lot of people that are trying to like bend society towards this reflex of just being like oh you can't say that you can't say it and a lot of people used to call us crazy when we were talking about this 10 years ago you know like when we were saying like this and then you branded something like cancel culture and then they have something to cling to and criticize but Really, like, there's so many things that you can't do or say anymore that you could do like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Right, but see, the thing about it is,
0: though, is the, first of all, there's always tension. There's always the the pushback on any movement towards mm-hmm. anything. I mean, this is just the nature of things, right? Yeah. But I'm a, I'm of the opinion that if you really care about anything, then not hurting people I mean certainly in comedy if if you're if you're not trying to hurt people okay Mm -hmm. there are ways to talk about just about anything you have to decide who's the victim in a joke right and why are they the victim of the joke yeah and you know you watch a lot of this 70s stand-up comedy right and it's guys imitating fags Mm -hmm. and the big joke is ow my bum hurts now to me that's like you know i don't mind that that's gone away yeah i mean that's not funny because what's the joke the joke is the guy is uncomfortable with homosexuality really but yeah. you know so i think there's there's you know there are there are plenty of elements where that's fine i think i think that you're entitled to make fun of people for their dumb choices and their dumb ideas and their dumb thoughts mm-hmm. but i think um, i think once it's no longer a choice you know yeah. once you're making fun of the color of somebody's skin or uh or you know anything you know look he's got no legs Ha, ha. yeah yeah that's hey hilarious. stubby how you doing yeah i know <laughs> like know? it's just
1: cheap jokes um i'm just the saying
0: cheap... it's just not funny to me and i don't mind that people are ashamed you know people used sometimes to joke the about I... drunk driving yeah,
1: yeah now know. it's an yeah.
0: like, unacceptable thing to do
1: south you know, park uh, once said south park once famously said um it's been 23 years. AIDS is finally funny. And yeah, not many but, people th- it, you know, thought that was funny at the time. It was like, mm, okay. Yeah.
0: But again, now that, now that you don't die from it, it's a little now, more fun than it yeah, was. Yeah. It's a little like, more funny
1: now. Yeah. Hey, remember that time you were, were getting
0: dead. it in time. I mean, yeah. like many things. Um, 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 Dave
1: Chappelle represents for me. And I talked about this with Jonathan K once, um, the glitch in all that weird wokeness, because he's a black man who is according to them being really mean to, to the trans community. And I think he's just treating them the same way he would treat other groups of people that he also jokes about. Um, And there's no irony that the, a lot of these like liberals um, the like the really rabid ones um, that scream a lot and dye their hair pink, like are, are attacking a black man um, when their usual rule is, you know, don't disparage black people because you know they they've gone through enough or whatever the reason is right like and so it's watching that hypocrisy play out because i guess the hierarchy now is that that trans people are more oppressed than black people and i think they they literally make a calculation and then they're like we can yell venom at you i think if they were
0: making fun of dave Chappelle for being black that would be unacceptable but they're not
1: they are No but they but you know, they accuse not- people they accuse people all the time of uh, who criticize people who may happen to be black of only ever having one motive when they criticize a black person because they're not a progressive who's doing the criticizing. And then they do it, and it's just like, you know, they don't – and I don't need to, them to follow their own rule. They're not criticizing Dave Chappelle because he's black. They're criticizing Dave Chappelle because they don't understand the joke, right?
0: Well, and – or maybe, maybe it's also a factor that, um, you know, like I think of Don Rickles, right? People, There, there was always people hating Don Rickles,
1: mm. you know? How did you hate Don Rickles?
0: Don Rickles was, his whole act was that. And he didn't, he picked on absolutely everybody. There was no group or individual that he didn't make fun of. Mm. That was the act. So you knew it wasn't personal and you knew he didn't mean any of it. The Uh, fact is that Dave Chappelle has now done like three specials in a row about trans people. That's not... You know, I make fun of everybody. That's like, come on, man. You're a little obsessed here. No, I don't think he's
1: obsessed. On. I think he's reading the ether and he's getting criticized. Dude, every time another comedian gets in trouble, Dave Chappelle trends. Because they always use his, like, um, bits as the, like, well, why can't we say that Dave Chappelle is hateful if we're saying such and such is? And, he, and you'll see every single time some other comedian trends, he'll he'll trend along with it. And it's like... um. You know, it, it, it becomes one of these, one of these things where it's like, if you're, if you're going to um, insult me almost like basically on a regular basis, he's like the JK Rowling of comedians. Okay. Like he's basically called the trans mm-hmm. That's his identity. Right. To, to like gender activists. I guess. Yeah. And I think that it's uh so he I mean, I as a comedian. Davis he now. as a comedian is like, oh, okay. Oh, well then. Okay. Well, so I'll, I'll keep going to that. Well, as long as you tell me that I can't. Isn't it sort of that? Because I would do that, too, I think.
0: I, I get it. Mm-hmm. And and believe me, I understand the notion of you shouldn't, so you do. I mean, you know, you want to, you want to. I mean, I, I have many friends who are unbookable because of that precise thing. Whenever they're told, look, the crowd is this, so try to avoid that, that's their opening and closing, yeah. right?
1: Venues are doing that, Simon. I
0: get that, right? But as far as I'm concerned, um, <laughs> you know... He can do whatever he wants. I yeah. just think it's, it's a little wasteful. And my argument against it is nothing to do with what you should or shouldn't talk about. Do what you like. But on the other hand, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. Like people are also entitled to go, well, this isn't funny and it's mean.
1: Are, are, yeah. Are we, are we missing a voice like George Carlin? At, at this point in time because of how everything is polarized and we're we're all on eggshells and we're all kind of, like, pointing fingers and stuff?
0: I don't think we are on eggshells, first of all. I think comedians, generally speaking... Um, I mean, I've never been a particularly controversial comic, so it's not really like I'm, you know... And I've never been particularly woke, either. I mean, I, I'm, I make fun of, you know, everybody equally who, frankly, is extreme. I mean, that's how I feel, is... Is you know anybody who thinks that their shit doesn't stink and they have nothing to learn is to me fair game. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's fair <laughs> on, any,
0: on any side, you know.
1: Yeah. Uh, um. You know,
0: closed-mindedness that, of of the extremist, and it doesn't matter if you're the the woke or the or the edge lord, right? It's the fact that you've picked a, a, a side in a war that doesn't actually exist.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's like the war on terror, the culture war. Is that what you're talking about?
0: I'm saying, you know, there's nothing that my side says or does that I'm not going to defend. Yeah. And it's sort of like, well, but, you know, why not just be your own person who goes, well, this is fine, and I understand in principle why you would do this, but in actual fact, this particular instance is not good, and I don't think this is worth doing, you know? I'm not. Yeah, there's an... You shouldn't make a joke about the Holocaust, but as far as I'm concerned, the more sensitive the topic, the way funnier the joke better be.
1: Yeah, the delivery, uh, right? That's exactly right. Um, there is a, uh, there's a sense I think that um, that that people want to um, sort of break away from. Um, labels now like i think we're finally like trying to climb out of that trench of like left and right and the things that many of us in the middle have been saying oh that doesn't matter for years and years and years but everything is sort of like designed around that social media is designed around the polarization of people so they'll fight and stay on the site news outlets are now a a lot like that um culturally i think we're suffering a little bit like because of that kind of stuff i think i actually think that the extremists are also places like Massey Hall, who literally will like do this weird Orwellian analyzation of the comics material before they allow them to play on their stage because of some moral ethical kind of code for political Yeah, but that's a private company
0: and they can do what I, they want. I know they
1: can do it, but I'm allowed to go, hey, that private company is acting like a bunch of dicks. Like I, I can say that, right? Like, that, And that's yeah. your
0: right too. Well, right. that's my point, right? Is look, it's like the guy on the street downtown screaming about about Jesus on the corner of uh, Queen and Young. You know that guy? I love guy? that guy. He's I love been that there guy. For decades. Yeah. Okay, he has free speech. He can yeah. do that. But free speech doesn't mean anybody has to actually platform you. He doesn't but, get to have a show on TV screaming at us that we're all going to hell because nobody wants to put that on TV.
1: Well, that's right. But he does a better. He does us. The ultimate service, which is representing religion in its original form, which is batshit
0: crazy. My point is he's entitled. We're all entitled to say what we want, but everybody else is entitled to listen or not listen. Nobody gets, nobody's allowed to just grab the mic, you know. It's like, that's what I say about hecklers in a club. It's like, you know what? You think you're funny? Great. Sign up for amateur night. Then if you do well there, move on to regular nights. And then if you do well there, move on to headlining. And then you know what? Then you get the mic. But tonight I'm the one who put in the years. I'm the one who's got the mic because I'm the professional. So you shut the fuck up because I've earned this
1: spot. um do you get like did over time in your career did your like from 17 to now let's just say did did you have different kind of like stages of how you were kind of nervous or what made you nervous or if you ever were nervous on stage i'm just oh curious i was
0: terribly you. nervous when i started yeah uh, the fact is i'm not really a performer by nature i'm a writer mm-hmm. i'm a thinker you know like like my <laughs> my brain could be in a jar and it would be like the same person in a funny way um, you know, some, some, some comics Are you trying are to
1: say you're like, transparent? Is that you're
0: I'm doing? sorry? Are you trying to say yeah.
1: you're transparent? Is no, that... I'm
0: saying some people are more naturally entertainers Like a lot of comics It's, it's not the um, It's not the, the acting Or the performing that they have trouble with It's the coming up with the jokes I write a billion jokes a day And yeah. choose the, the ones I really want to do up there The performing is what took me And the comfort I'm a self-conscious person I'm not naturally like, you know, like that's part of the reason I'm unambitious. I would hate to be famous. I would hate for people to bother me all the time and have to be like that <laughs> to people yeah. all the time. It's not my nature, you know?
1: Yeah, I'm happy no, I get. once
0: in a while somebody sees me and goes, Hey, I like your show. And I go, Thank you. That's very nice. But like the idea of like crowds of people and me like, ha, ha, hey, that would that would not be me. So the performing aspect took me a long time to get comfortable Mm. now i'm fine because i figured it out
1: yeah it's 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 uh, it's such an art form like uh tv writing for sitcoms people knock it a lot but like it's really difficult sometimes to like squeeze things into that kind of format and um oh here like uh i I, i'm gonna test a joke on you i work at a library okay Mm -hmm. so from a comedian standpoint i'm not trying to be funny i'm trying to say if a comedian would this be like Um, James Patterson has written so many books that his pen name is Danielle Steele. Okay. Fucking asshole. (laughs) You know, no good? Come on, man. You know what you're doing. Yeah, I do know what I'm doing. The cold face. (laughs) I walked into that one. Um, I'm sorry, because Matt. it's an art form. No, I don't need it to be good. I, I'm actually—it actually proves my point. If you don't think it's funny, because I don't think people understand how hard it is to evoke the emotion of laughter. I Here, think here's it's hard thing: thing to do. it's
0: not an emotion; it's a response. I, I have—I have many scientific theories about comedy, um, but the reason that it's—the reason that it's—it's it's less respected than many art forms is because, unlike most art forms. It's like judo. So part of it is you've got to get the people to feel like you're just conversing so that you can flip them with the joke and they laugh. They got to be sort of relaxed into the into the moment of of tricking their brain into laughing. That's why so many people watch a show and go, oh, I could do that. He's just talking. And then you're like, "Okay, (laughs) by all means, you know, once they get up there, they realize, wow, this is not just talking. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah and it's often a totally different ecosystem when you're there it's always funnier when you're there and i don't know is that because of the tribal aspect like everyone else is laughing and it just makes you want to laugh a little bit like is there some is that That's called something part of it part yeah. of it
0: is also because you know the, the 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 experience if you're if you're a good comic you have antenna the experience is is uh, give and take it's it's a feedback thing with whoever shows up it's a very different situation than when you're on television and even when you're on television, they're not filming a comic in isolation and broadcasting it, mm-hmm. you know. There's an audience there laughing. You, you need that. It's, it's uh, as I said, it's a pass-fail art form. Music is music with nobody listening. Comedy, yeah. if it's a tree in the forest. If nobody's around, it's not, it's nothing.
1: Yeah, and that's what's magical about it. Is it Steve Martin? I maybe get this wrong. Um, But is it Steve Martin that did that thing often where he would deliberately insult the crowd just to win them back again? Was that him that started that? Because I I, I heard he's famous for it. Really? I don't remember that. Yeah, it was at the comedy store or something, and in like the '70s, like in the late '70s or early '80s or something, where he was just that was his thing. And um, sometimes it crashed and burned, which is another thing I really love about comics, because you never hear about Julia Roberts like you know really blowing a scene. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well,
0: but again, she's she's on film. I know why.
1: Yeah, but the performance—that's I mean, what I.
0: Take it twenty more times until she. That's gets right. The that,
1: that's why I. That's the, like that's why I have such I a. I mean, respect. has she ever
0: been in a play, Julia Roberts, where she actually had to do it live once? Uh,
1: Who she was I... married to Lyle Lovitz. Does that count? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, um, what are you up to right now? Um, you're. Oh wait, I was gonna say one last thing about um. Um. I I was interested in this because just before I watched you say this, I watched an interview with Bob Dylan in 2004 and the interviewer asked him if he could still summon the magic that he may have, he had um, when he was writing songs in like the early sixties, mid sixties, whatever. And I was surprised because I always thought he was kind of an egoist that he was like, no, that, that magic is gone. And like 10 minutes later, I was watching, I was doing my, my, uh, my Simon deep dive and I was and I saw an interview that you did where you were talking about um, Paul Simon um, the songs from the 60s I'm paraphrasing because I didn't write down but the the songs from the 60s and the 80s may sound different from they but they come from the same place or something like that Um, you know and and it's what you know and you write about what you know so that's why they don't sound the same as they would but it's still like an authentic art thing and then I heard Bob Dylan he's just like I don't make the magic anymore um is there a thing like where comedians, is there a general rule of thumb where like, if you're working hard and everything like that, that comedians become better if they do this, that, or the other thing, or worse if they do this, that, or the other thing? I'm just, because a guy who knows nothing about the innards of, of comedy. Okay, just well, for really me, interested.
0: I mean, I'm one of the last of my age working. Many of my colleagues, you know, who, who are alive don't gig because frankly, they were lazy and gave up on the work. Yeah. Uh you know I'm still going out to open mics every week and doing trying things and thinking about what's going on in my head and my and the world and writing new bits. Some people they get their 40 minutes or 45 minute headline set and they go okay that's it I'm done. And then they don't understand why 20 years later it's just not as effective, you know. Yeah. Well, you know you guys are like the hip hop scene hasn't been on in 20 years. I know. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. You guys are same. like tux medicated pad with the whole thing. Yeah. Um you guys are like rappers. Okay. Um, you're like an underground rapper, Simon Rakoff.
0: <laughs> I get <laughs> that like, a lot.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do. Um, the uh, but no, because um, you're all you you go. It's about the craft. It's about like not being embarrassed for going to the smaller club to like try their new tracks and all that kind of stuff. And then there's people that like you know think they're. I don't know. I'm all, I've always, always
0: been about doing what I want, the only non-renewable resource is time. Yeah. I've never cared about money or fame or anything other than what am I doing with my time that makes me feel good about myself? And what makes me feel good about myself is working on my stuff, writing new stuff. A new. There's no feeling like you try a new bit and it kills. And you're just like, oh. yeah. it's like finding gold if you're if you're one of those old-timey miners, I think.
1: I, I, and i think that the little people like us who aren't professional comedians know what it feels like at a micro level when we make our family laugh at thanksgiving like we understand what the energy exchange is right we don't have it obviously it's a totally different level but the way that we can connect with you guys over any other type of performer um i wrote a, a piece once that was like uh, in an orwellian world o- only comedians can save us and i honestly meant it you know it's it's uh it's a noble profession you guys have and the best part about it is is that you guys are like i don't know what's so fucking noble about me like you guys are really surly and funny and um you know you don't laugh at host jokes and make them feel stupid and i love it i'm know?
0: sorry well i'm you know what I, I i you know what would be worse if i patronized you imagine if instead here was my reaction to your whatever end name joke if i said Daniel you steal? that's
1: <laughs> really, because they both write books and it's like up with
0: that, that. Did yeah. you? Cause, no, come on. You had somebody come in and write that for you.
1: That's- Simon Rakoff wrote that for me. I'll have you know.
0: Exactly. Can you yeah. imagine? No. That would be really <laughs> disgraceful. Yeah, it really would. I have not um, much respect for you, James.
1: Well, how did you meet Bullard?
0: I was, well, he came to the comedy scene and I was already there because I've been around longer than everybody.
1: Sometimes you answer questions like I'm supposed to know this.
0: I don't fucking know. Well, you know, some <laughs> interviewers do research. Whatever. You do you, man. I was like, totally I couldn't. It's not my no, fault. I couldn't find Pat, anything. His brother Pat was a comic first.
1: I know. Then he became yeah, a writer. Yeah, you know, right? I oh. knew
0: Pat when he showed up. And then right, Mike okay. would come and hang around. And then eventually Mike did it, too.
1: Um, I'm 5'6". I'm bald. And I have a little bit of a belly. And I wear yeah. glasses. And I have a beard. Do you think we would fight Sounds if like we me. met if we met in person yeah that's what i'm asking like yeah, a couple no, of minions
0: we could be yeah exactly we <laughs> could we could play those uh you know those tricks on teachers where we switch classes <laughs> totally
1: <laughs> Just um I, I i i like talking to comedians they make me feel good they make me feel uncomfortable um sometimes they throw me off my interview game but i i don't care i like it i like you guys a lot i enjoyed it and almost none of you like me which is really interesting
0: who said that i think you're a wonderful person okay well thank you
1: thank you is this the patronizing part
0: all the belly come on what more could i ask for
1: (laughs) i'm bald and i live with my parents yeah, that's
0: right. Oh, you, do you really?
1: No, that's a George Costanza thing. I just went with the... Right, like,
0: okay, yeah. yeah. No, cause I, no, I live
1: with my uh, surrogate parent, which is my recently ex-wife. And now I'm uh, oh. You know, watching life slide back into view. So it's good.
0: Well, I'll tell you, I have two ex-wives. And uh, it's wow. only painful briefly. And Can you put him in a cage match so and just
1: have him go at it?
0: <laughs> oh, no, believe me, they turn on me first. They would team up quickly. <laughs> you're the
1: promoter. Nothing would happen to you. You'd be fun. Yeah,
0: that's right. Uh, are you
1: doing, um, sorry, are you like, and are you writing like for TV right now? Like, I'm just curious what you're doing on the no. back end there. No,
0: I, I, I'm basically doing my own stuff, but I'm very busy. I'm, uh, I just was in Winnipeg at the festival there, and uh, I'm off to Ottawa next week for a week. Actually, my nephew is getting married, which is nice. Oh, awesome. So I booked the club for a week, the Absolute Club in Ottawa. And uh, I'll get the Friday night off for the wedding. Sweet. Which is, yeah, really nice. And uh, tomorrow I'm, in, or Thursday I'm in Hamilton at some theater there. I forget. I should I should remember these gigs. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I have a website. Okay. Where I write everything down as soon as I'm booked, so that I don't forget, and so that people can check it out. Um, myname.com. SimonRackoff.com. Obviously. Yes and uh, And I have an album which I recorded a few years ago, but uh, you can buy it on um, Amazon Music and download it to your machine, to your computer, or whatever you do.
1: <laughs> What's the album called?
0: It's called Surrounded
1: by Idiots. Okay, uh, I'm gonna show it now because I just found it, so i'm gonna oh, I'm gonna perfect. put it up on this. Sc- yeah. um we'll get I don't really I never think of promos because um I don't have any sponsors at all, and I just so therefore I never even think of it and um okay. also you know some people can't do it right some people are like um they, one person brought, like this like soda pop and didn't say anything just like just like went like that and i'm like just held it just held it I there like sh- like a barker beauty, You beauty know?
0: at my show i sell a little cardboard cutout doll of myself like a 3d foldable i call it my in action figure i sell that That's at my cool. shows
1: okay so your album is coming up right here Bam.
0: okay you do it i'm not yeah that's it surrounded by idiots exactly yep yeah. uh,
1: it, yeah, that's interesting <laughs> that's exact. that's it's like my my buddy that's his logo like the way he just that's him that's the how baseball. everyone knows him yeah so yeah. it's good you chose an image that uh people can uh, relate to did you know that you're supposed to judge a book by its cover because um that means that the publisher cared enough to spend money on art
0: i know a little bit about that you know Uh, my brother and sister are both authors so
1: yeah i know something
0: about publishing um
1: Um, it was it was a pleasure meeting you uh i I, i'm gonna have bullard on the next time you come on so i can get you guys to um be funny with each other so i don't ever have to be funny again You know what it is? It's like I wanted – I wasn't trying to be funny with you, but it was in the back of my mind more than other guests. I think I'm funnier on other shows. And the comedians are like, you guys intimidate me because your job is doing something better than I can do it. And and I think it bothers my ego a little bit. I
0: understand. Look, I love to sing. I sing all the time. But Mm. if I was on here with Sting, I wouldn't sing because I don't need to be shown up.
1: Yeah, I'm, but, but you know what the it. funny thing is? And I mean this. This is not a bit, and I'll I'll send you some stuff. I'm quite an accomplished rapper. <laughs> I believe truth. you. Yeah, you know, and it's like, you know, we're all weird. Um, Simon Rakoff, thank you for coming. Will you come back after this awkward experience? Anytime. Okay, great. I can't I had wait.
0: I a good time. I enjoyed myself. You're so defensive about it. I, thought I know. It I don't
1: good. know what it is. You know what? It might be the uh, 20 milligrams of weed that I accidentally, I forgot. I, I knew the podcast was there. I was like, oh, shit, the 20 milligrams of weed. And I was a little stoned this podcast and I think it's a great learning experience. I think that, um, you weigh am... the weed
0: you smoke.
1: No, I don't weigh it. It's, it's like these edibles, these like little, Oh, jukies. I see. Right, right. I yeah. understand. And so I ate two of them and, uh, and I was like, all oh, right, the podcast. And, um, I'm clearly yeah, that'll, pretty that'll, stoned that'll throughout sense. the whole episode and it might make a great case study for how not to do a podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you were fine. I enjoyed it.
1: <laughs> I'm going to stop. No, stop. I'm never going to stop laughing. i um,
0: making comments here.
1: Yeah, there's people that often they talk about baking.
0: Oh, no, um, I don't see that.
1: And sometimes, and I have a harem in there. It's a true story. Don't ask, um, you know, but they're like a digital harem. So I re- don't really get anything out of it. But um, but there there are regulars, actually. I shouldn't make fun of them. There are regulars. Um, they watch this show and the Dean Blundell show. And I'm, I don't know what other shows. I'm sure there's a few. Lucky but you. Yeah, we have a base. That's our base right there.
0: Well, that's awesome. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I did like having you on, and I did like being stoned while having you on, and uh, I, I, I want you to come back with Bullard and and, and, and talk and teach me about comedy, because I'm realizing how little I know every time I talk to a comedian. I, I thought I knew things.
0: Well, and I have many theories, and as I said, scientific theories about it that I could discuss. If Mike was there, I bet he'd agree with many of my thoughts. So yeah, let's do this again soon.
1: He would agree, because he wouldn't know how to contribute to the scientific discussion. <laughs> be Believe
0: me, he may not have thought about it consciously, but I I assure you he knows
1: yeah he's one of the greatest glad handers of all time and i mean that with with respect i was at Sauble beach with him once and it was like we walked like four blocks from the car to a couple places to shop to the food place and back to the car 50 people were like stopped him to say hello like he was like elvis it was yeah
0: but the thing about mike is he for his fans anything but you know the people who you know in the business who he doesn't care about He's very straightforward with them.
1: That's good. We need more of that.
0: He's honest, you know what I yeah. mean? He's not kissing the ass of the producer. He's he's that's kissing right. the ass of the fans because that's who really employs us.
1: In fact, one might even say that sometimes Bullard doesn't have the wherewithal to not burn the bridge of the person that he doesn't like.
0: Well, that's <laughs> a very common issue with my people. As the joke goes, cross the bridge, then burn it. That's right.
1: <laughs> and with that pearl of wisdom... Simon, thank you so much, man. Uh, we'll have you on again soon. I appreciate you coming.
0: Thank you so much. Be well.
1: You too. Um, I got in trouble a couple of times of being on the Dean Blundell show because I was stoned. And um, I'm not going to lie to you. Now I know why. Like, I'm like, during the show, I'm just like, why, why do I feel this way? And it's because I, I took 20 milligrams of, of uh, jubes like it was nothing and then digested them. And then like it was 15 minutes to podcast. And I'm like, and I think I remembered for a second that I, and I'm like I have a, and then like ten minutes into the podcast, like, you know, I'm clearly stoned. I'm so happy it's legal. I could talk about it like this and and show everyone how I'm an idiot. Um. I, I I yeah. Simon Simon is fun to have on the show. Simon was fun to do the deep dive on too because um he's he's he was it was Bullard and a few other people were telling me he's a comics comic. Um. You know. There's a. Uh, there's certain guys like that like the the salt of the earth comic in the comic community or something like that like i, I don't know how to explain it but he's uh you know he, he's just one of those uh, diverse kind of members of a really kind of exclusive clubs of people that um make us laugh and uh i will always have I, I find comedians to be endlessly fascinating um and none of them seem to be alike and uh and i like that so okay uh tomorrow Let's get serious now, everybody. Uh, tomorrow, uh, we're going to have our first weekly update of the Klondike Papers uh, releases. So what that means is that all the uh, reports that came out on Press Progress, all the reports that came out on Dean Blundell and Blackball Media and other places and the podcast, we are going to recap those stories. We might drop a few hints as to what might be coming next. We might um, talk about other writers that uh, we're working with, but... Um, I don't want it to uh, gain this um, clearly deliberate tactic that seems to be happening um, on on social media about like the the far right um, typical, you know, the, the fuck Trudeau flag people are saying that it's a big conspiracy theory, um, you know, that it's, uh, yeah, that it's like batshit stuff, you know, and this is coming from QAnon people basically. And so it, it's kind of funny. I can assure you that of two things, if I'm being very honest, I'm going to give you two factoids and one of them you might not know about. And, uh, and I think it's important that at least that like, you know, that we're trying to be transparent. The first thing is, is that the, um, I have the Klondike papers and uh, there are legit stories in there. There are stories and documents that have been confirmed uh, with via secondary sources. There's like three, four witnesses sometimes to the same thing. And it is also true that uh, for a four gigabyte file, there is an extensive amount in there. I would say probably like 25% that might like just have no business at all being in there. And it could also be considered to be a tad disorganized. So you gotta be really meticulous when you go through it. So, you know, I've been, I probably put like 25, 30 hours on just trying to organize it for myself because I'm already a scatterbrain and I don't need that. But I can assure you, that if there is something in there that's blatantly false we're not going to run it for one thing if we publish something that turns out to be false um which would be very rare and something that i don't think would happen often at all uh we would tell you uh i have no issue uh admitting some sort of mistake or whatever Uh, i have no issue um contacting people named in that dossier as uh people who who appear to do shady things um and I want to mention one of those people right now and that's former conservative party general counsel gerald chapur um who you know clearly paid uh, an investigator money so that they could basically hunt down a person who was trying to stay out of the clutches of the plymouth brethren uh christian church and the church lied and said that they had um that there were criminal warrants out for this person richard sharp or Richard Marsh. I keep doing that. Um, who was who's been on my show twice? Uh, and the idea that um, that there that the idea that there is a person out there that um, is helping an institution like a like a cult like organization hunt down a person who was a whistleblower uh, with something that happened in the UK but really like is not a danger to this company as far as anything other than money. Um, and you start to quickly like, you know, take another look at, at the players that are involved and think to yourself, well, why would this person even admit in an email that you're working on behalf of this cult to hunt down this person through a, um, at the time shady political fixer. And the reason why is because everybody's shady in politics. There are no good guys. And I'm not saying they're equal. They're all a different varying degree of bad. But um, Gerald Shapur also happens to um, have his roots just down the road from where I live, as I found out today or yesterday. Um, uh, You know, nothing crazy has has happened to me or anything, but all of a sudden it's like, oh, I live literally like a mile away from all of the relatives of the person that I uh, am saying, you know, is doing all these things based on this dossier. And of course I stand by the the stories and the reporting. Um, But because of all the nefarious things that have sort of happened or appear to have happened in all these different areas of this story that seem to revolve around like a dozen conservative operatives and religious people. I just want to let everybody know that I, um, it, you know, I live a really peaceful existence here. And uh, s- somebody came into my work when I wasn't there. Um, and uh, and I'm, I am not connecting these because that would be irresponsible. But I'm going to tell the story anyways just because, you know, um, this, this story has done certain things to me. Like it's made me, it's made my wheels turn. It's made all this stuff. But it's a little coincidental that I put out a pretty scathing report. Um, about a a certain individual, and then in that individual's hometown uh, where I work, someone came in and asked about me, um, didn't leave his name, and then kind of hung out outside of the library waiting for me to get there, even though I wasn't working that day. And uh, I hope it's nothing, but I just felt like I wanted to say it out loud on a broadcast so that uh, the off chance that it's something, at least um, I'm on record saying, I have no proof of anything, but it's a little suspicious. I was outside outside last night on my deck, and I'm going to tell David this so you guys don't have to do it for me, but um, I heard a creak, and it could have been a coyote, a wolf, a bear, a rabbit, and you know what I did? I said out loud, it's not me you should be after, it's David Wallace. (laughs) I swear to God I said that. There was probably no one there. Um, Stories like this mess with your head. You know, this guy was hunted down on like three continents. This guy, there was all of these like people that everyone was hiring a private investigator against someone else and wire transfers and, and other people's name and aliases and all this fucking shady shit, burner phones, like people saying, I'll give you a half a million dollars to bring me the arm and leg of Nathan Jacobson. People saying, you know, take out the prime minister, name your price, all of this like coded language from a great four Hardy Boys book. And you know, and now I got some stranger visiting my work on a day. I put out a scathing story about a guy in the hometown of that person where I happen to live and just found out yesterday. My mother-in-law is, like, related to part of his family. So maybe I can get in on, like, a, get a pass on, like, a 17th cousin thing. Um, but that's that. I promise I won't get stoned before another podcast. You will not see another podcast like this because I don't get stoned before a podcast except when I used to do Dean show in 2020. Um, but I'm transparent about it. Love you guys. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Bye. Black, 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 black. Black, black, black,
0: black, 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 black Emily Roger and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world.